You're listening to the David Bumble Networking Podcast. Very good day interviewing a lot of Cisco engineers. We discuss all things networking, CCNA, CCNP, CCIE, Python, automation, the books, the exams, the future, your career. Another long day at Cisco Live. We talk to the authors, the experts, the leaders, and people like you and me. David Bumble coming to you from Oxford in the United Kingdom. Now, here's your host, David Bumble. Hey everyone, it's David Bombal. Really happy to have Neil Bridges with me again. The last two videos that I created with Neil have done really, really well. Got a lot of positive feedback, but a lot of you have been asking questions. So today I'm going to put Neil in the hot seat and ask him a bunch of questions. Uh, if the video gets too long, I'll I'll create subsequent videos with Neil. Neil, welcome. Thank you so much, David. I'm so glad to be here again. It's nice to meet someone you know that I can put in the hot seat and ask all these questions that I've been receiving you know over months and years. I love the connection we have. You you ask fantastic questions, and they, and your audience is fantastic, and they, and they ask such in depth questions. I, I'm I, I when you asked me to come back to answer questions that you got in in comments, I was like, heck yes, let's do this. That's brilliant. So let's let's ask you straight away. One of the top questions that I've received, uh, lots of people ask this, and and it's quite funny because the the ranges were were quite wide. Um, people were asking, David, I'm in my twenties. Is it too late for me to get into cybersecurity? David, I'm in my 30s. I'm in my 40s. I'm in my 50s. Oh, wow. Is it too late for me to get into this industry? So question for you then is, is it too late for someone 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever, to get into cybersecurity? All right. So so hang on. This is going to be industry-crushing secrets right here. Everybody ready? <laughs> the answer is no, you are not too old. And, and so that's that's the short answer, right? So you can cut the video right there. We're done. No, the answer is no. Neil gave you the answer. The the, the long answer to this is like, and, and, and I, I talk about this extensively, is there are three and a half million open cybersecurity jobs right now. It is no doubt that, that people hear it and they talk about it all the time. There is a lack of talent in the pipeline when it comes to cybersecurity. And so, no, this is a career field where, um, you know, if you've got the desire to learn and you can put in the effort and you can, you know, you can get out there, um, you can absolutely start in cybersecurity at any age and, and succeed in it. Here's what I tell people. And, and this is what um, uh, this is what I think holds a lot of folks back is and especially when you talk about folks who are transitioning, you know, maybe maybe away from you know, a career that maybe wasn't IT or, or wasn't necessarily cyber into cyber you have marketable skills from the 10 or 15 or 14 years that you've been doing whatever it was you you were doing before you decided to go into um uh, into cybersecurity i do a i do a ton of resume reviews um uh, on my stream i think we should do that i think i uh, can can people uh, i think i'm a, i'll put a link below where people can submit some resumes and we can pick some out yeah, absolutely. I think I think we should do that because one of the things I had a resume that I reviewed not too long ago and on their experience they had spent 14 years as a as a store manager for Arby's, which in the States is like a, a huge fast food chain. Um, and they buried it so far down on their, their resume, it was almost like they were ashamed to have that experience there. But they had a lot of cyber stuff that they had done and a lot of IT help desk stuff that they had done on the top. And I was like, you should you should highlight that you've spent 14 years managing a restaurant doing resource management, doing yeah. people management, Very all these point. other all these other skills that when we talk about soft skills are lacking so much in our industry, 
you can absolutely put those to work. And I think that that's, uh, that's what's oftentimes overlooked. People who are like, am I too old to get into to cyber is you still have so many years of, of useful experience that we need to get highlighted and, and, and get people to see that you have. I think on the last video, you, you made a good point when you said there's a 10 to one ratio of you know, blue to red jobs. I think a lot of people, and it was quite funny, there was a comment on one, on the video like, 70,000 people have watched this video, there's not enough jobs for all these people. <laughs> and it's, um, I think people just think they have to be the best ethical hacker perhaps and, and not look that there's, there's a whole range of jobs. Is it, do you agree with that? Uh, 100%, um, uh, when you look at, when you look at cybersecurity as an organization, and one of the analogies that I use, and I use this analogy frequently when I talk about the industry as a whole, um, when, when, you look at, when you look at the career field, it's 10 miles wide, right? But it's also 10 miles deep in almost every subject. And so, yeah, you can be on you know, just a small little section, and we talk about ethical hacking being that section, and you can go 10 miles deep in ethical hacking, but then you've got blue team, and then even on the blue team, you've got incident response, threat hunting, threat intelligence, security engineering, where you work on all the tools. Um, you know, you've got all this stuff. You've got fraud prevention. You've got um, uh, risk and compliance. You've got governance. You know, there's the cybersecurity field isn't just ethical hacking, and that's why we say there's three and a half million open jobs in cybersecurity. You know, across the globe. Um, yeah, I know we talked about it before, 10 to 1, you know, blue team, red team. And yeah, ethical hacking is sexy and everybody loves it. But there's so much more to cybersecurity. And, and maybe your passion, you know, when you're late in life is I just want to be part of cybersecurity because it's so exciting. Let's look at the entire lake. Let's look at that entire 10 mile wide lake. And let's find something inside this industry that works for you because there is something here. I mean, that's great points. I mean, as an example, let's say I am 45. There were a lot of, a lot of people in their 40s or in the late 40s that were um, asking, is it too late for them? And it sounds like what you're highlighting is they mustn't focus on the like Mr. Robot type stuff where the guys are breaking into into machines, like uh, offensive stuff. There's there's a whole range of skills that um, that or opportunities in this field. So can you give us some examples? Like, I mean, Give us some examples, you know, of the range of skills that people could do for different organizations. Because I think a lot of people just see like the hacking piece. They don't see like all the companies on the blue team or, you know, products that people use perhaps to protect their networks. Yeah, absolutely. Because and, and the other thing that I want to highlight on this too, right, is everybody thinks that like when they when they get into cyber, that they have to get into cyber on the ground floor, right? So you got to be yeah. like a security analyst layer one. But if you've been managing something like a business. I, I, I've reviewed another resume of a, of a guy who had started his own marketing company and had run a successful marketing company for 10 years. Um, that's a guy who has leadership experience. He has, you know, he's run a successful business and had a successful exit. You know, there's nothing wrong with going to get, you know, maybe maybe CISSP or going to get a, a, a one or two small technical certs, um, you know, just to kind of say that you've got those technical certs under your belt. Maybe you do some hands-on stuff just to kind of familiarize yourself with the technology and then simply turn around and, and, and apply for, you know, a SOC manager. Just go run a security operations center 
or go get into the risk and compliance organization and, and start doing risk assessments. One of the conversations that I have with folks, um, especially when we talk about risk and compliance versus pen testing, when I say the word risk assessments and when I say like risk and compliance, everybody goes, ooh, that's yucky, that's paperwork, that's, that's boring, that sounds yeah. boring, I wanna go do pen testing. And I'm like, yeah. do you realize that the difference between a risk acceptance in a lot of organizations and a penetration test really just boils down to putting your hands on a keyboard and executing it. When you're doing a risk assessment, you're still evaluating vulnerabilities, um, susceptibility to being you know, hacked and breached into where they fit into the organization. The only thing you're missing is the actual putting your hands on the keyboard. And so it's not uncommon. If you were to think about the long game in cybersecurity, and even if you're 45, you know, you've got two years until or 20 years until retirement, you know, you could spend five years doing risk assessments where you understand risk, you understand governance, you understand, you know, how to look at a system, how to look at vulnerabilities, how to look at it in the enterprise. And then if you're doing to the point that I made on the last video, a lot of the try hack me, hack the box, a lot of the technical stuff, because you ultimately want to go do ethical hacking. And then you spend five years doing risk assessments. You have the perfect inroad into doing ethical hacking because you've been spending five years looking at risk, talking a business language, um, taking your, your, your 20 or 30 years of, of um, you know, running a business and, and applying it in a, in, a, in a soft skill type fashion, you have a fantastic transition. I think people aren't looking at the big picture when they think about getting into a cybersecurity organization. They're just like, I wanna do ethical hacking and that's where they think they have to get into. I think it's, it's great points. I mean, I'll have to bring in Gary Vee again because we mentioned that previously. If I could just change your perspective, if I could just get you to realize you have a whole nother life to live. I need you to understand something. You have so much time. You as 50 year olds are gonna live dramatically longer and healthier than your parents and grandparents' generation. So you sit here at 50. He created a video and which I'll link here where he talks about, you know, you're not too old. And I think you just hit it there when you when you said, if you're 45, you still got 20 years. And I mean, he's, he's actually saying, I mean, Gary's in his 40s as well. He was saying that he's, he's got like many, many years before he's gonna retire. Um, you mustn't forget all the experience that you've got. And it's the same thing in Silicon Valley. A lot of people think that um, startups are made by like 20 year olds, but most successful startups are, made, are created by people in their 40s, I think is, is, is the ultimate, the best age, because you've got experience. You're not gonna make all the same stupid mistakes that you might've made previously because you've learned in life, you know, what to do and what not to do. And I'll also say this, and I need to hand it back to you, Neil, but like, <laughs> with, with, if you're in business, the only way you survive is to have sales. So if you've got, if you're in a sales job, perhaps you're selling some some un unrelated product, but all that sales knowledge can be applied to a cybersecurity environment. So I mean, you deal with a lot of vendors, and I mean they must have sales teams, they have pre-sales teams, technical guys, et cetera, et cetera. Is that right? That that is correct. Yeah, I mean, and I I mentor them the same way that I mentor an ethical hacker, right? Is, is you know, let's talk about how we develop your skill set. Let's talk about how we develop your ability to to talk to CISOs and, and let's talk about your ability to, because most of them, most of these folks in sales that I talk to or that I mentor, they, they're in sales because they need to make a paycheck, but they ultimately want to move out of sales into risk and governance, or they want to move out of sales into security operations, or you know, some of them even want to be CISOs and, and things like that. And so we talk about how do you take, you know, that sales stuff and that ability to um, to have those soft skills that are really important to an organization um, and, and apply those soft skills to your future learning to, to get to your future career. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because I think about sales guys and technical guys, and in 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 another way, I think I, in some ways I'd rather be the sales guy because you're on the golf course, you know, <laughs> making a sale, and I'm stuck busy fixing a network at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but I mean, it's like you got to do what you love. Um, okay, so that so you've made some important points there. You've said that number one, I'll, I'll repeat it here. Uh, when when are you too old? I, you're never too old. You're never too old. And, and I, and I want to I want to flip another Gary V one back on you on that whole you're never too old. Yeah. Um. He's got a fantastic quote that he says. He's like he's like you're 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 not too old. You're just late to the process. That's great. Right? That's great. It, that's 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 one that he he has said explicitly. And and it, it's okay to be late, right? You're you're doing it at your own time and your own pace, and that's okay. It's like the guy who um what's it Colonel Sanders who started KFC when he was in his seventies or whatever when he I think when he started it. Um. You mustn't. So I think the the takeaway of what you've given here is you mustn't forget about all your experience. Like that example with the uh, with the retail was it was Arby's was it with the Arby's yeah with the Arby's store manager. So I mean that kind of management experience is actually in some ways more valuable to a company. Sales is very valuable to a company than just pure technical skills, because there's like pre-sales is a good example. If you if you want to sell a product to a customer and you need to have a technical understanding, you, you have to have both soft skills and sales skills as well as technical skills. And the best sales guys are the guys who actually understand how stuff works rather than just you know, making it up on the fly. So, okay, so I'm in my 40s, let's say, and I want to go from whatever I'm doing into this field. Give me the path again, Neil, and I'm going to push you on this. Uh, we had some questions about certs on the last video, so I'm going to push you as well on certs. What would you recommend someone do um, if they're a bit older? Is it the same path, like go and do basic networking, uh, go and get some of the basic certs? Well, what would you recommend? And 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 so I, I think I go back to to some of the stuff that we talked about last time, right? Which is which is really evaluate what it is that you want to do in in the industry. Let's say let's go back to our our forty five year old example, right? You've you've yeah. spent you know, you're 45, you spent the last 20 years, um, you know, doing something business related, right? Whether it's a lawyer, whether it's an accountant, whether it's it's some other non IT related skill, but you're 45 now doing a car mechanic, it doesn't really matter. You have skills that are transferable. I think you have to look at, um, you have to look at the industry and you have to you have to find out what, what does excite you about the industry, because I still think that that's key for who you are, right? Do you like blue teaming? Do you like hunting bad guys inside the network? Do you like ethical hacking? Would you like to go break stuff? Maybe you you actually just enjoy the strategic mindset of looking at organization. Um, so you so you look at something like risk and risk and compliance and governance. Maybe you like to build. Maybe you're an architect type where you actually like to build things. So I do think I do still think you have to identify what's important to you and where you want to go inside the industry. So I, I don't think you can get away from that when you're looking at your career path. And so then from there, yes, I would definitely look at um, uh, certs that help you credentialize yourself that, that says, yeah, I know I've been doing a non-cyber or a non-IT skill you know, for 20 years. Um, yes, I'm going to talk about all the accolades and all the great things that I did in my business career or my non-IT career, but also let me show you that I do have transferable skills when it comes to the, to the, the cyber side or the IT side. I've gone out and I've taken you know, CISSP, or I've gone out and taken CISA, or I've gone out and taken um, uh, SISM. Maybe if you're on the pen testing side, you're looking at um, uh, PTS from INE, or you're looking at EJPT, um, you know, from that perspective, or you're looking at a CCNA from a networking side, right? Look at those, look at those baseline 
certs, right? That really just kind of say, yeah, I'm not a complete, you know, you know, I'm not completely uneducated when it comes to the career field that I'm going into. And then on that resume, the same resume tips that I gave last time, I would still say apply here, you know, highlight that stuff, highlight your 20 years in your, in your, in your non-IT role, you know, show that you have that management role and then make sure that you're applying for the job um, that matches that skill set, right? If you, um, if you spent 20 years leading a business, it's okay to say that you have the skill set to, to go lead a risk and compliance organization. Maybe you can go be a risk assessment manager. Maybe you can go be an IT audit manager, right? Or a senior IT auditor or something like that. Those get you the foot in the door. And then you have to then strategically look at how do you take that foot in the door and then say in five years, I'm going to keep doing these things and I'll have an easy path into pen testing or have an easy path into threat hunting, or maybe you just continue to go up and you ultimately end up becoming a director of those organizations or a CISO. I mean, I think you've, you've highlighted something really important there. And you, I think you've been listening to Gary Vee too much because he, <laughs> uh, he, he also makes the same point about don't expect it to happen tomorrow. Yeah. You know, guys say, think, okay, today I'm going to get my cert. Tomorrow I'm going to get a job paying 100K or whatever, 200K, whatever crazy amount. It, there, there, there's a road, there's a journey. Um, and if you're 17 and you start your journey at 17, you have the advantage of age, but you have the disadvantage of youth. <laughs> so, I mean, there's when you get older, you, you have the disadvantage that you've aged, but you have the advantage of maturity, perhaps, hopefully. So there's, it swings and roundabouts, as they say in the UK. There's good and bad no matter what age you start. But I think you, you've highlighted the point that you, it's not, you're not going to just turn that on. It's a process and you have to give yourself time and space to, to, that, to, to that's get something that's, that's something that I, um, I struggled with as youth. And, and, and that's something that if I, if, I, if I were to go back and talk to my younger self, I wish I could beat that into my head. And I would definitely highlight that for, the, for, for folks who are, who are early in the process, right, um, you know, that are listening right now is, is you have to think in terms of paths. Yeah. Um, af- after the last videos that we've done together, my, my DMs were also exploding with like, if I get this cert, can I get a pen testing job? If I get this cert, can I get this job? You know, and, and, and you have to look at it like a path and you have to think about, um, you know, what are the milestones that you need to get to, to get to that path? A cert doesn't equal a job. I think one of the, um, one of the folks who DM'd me, um, uh, you know, I think I told him, I said, I said, certs aren't going to get you a pen testing job. You know, hands-on experience is going to get you a pen testing job, right? Yeah. Now you yeah. can't get a cert that has hands-on experience like OSCP and then turn around and get your first pen testing job. Maybe you can, maybe you get lucky and you can do that, but you have to think in terms of the process and the process is get cognitive knowledge, put your hands on keyboard, and then show people that you've done it, that's how you're going to get your job. And I think the same thing is, is very true when we talk about our 45-year-olds or our 17-year-olds is, you know, you've got your hands-on experience leading businesses. Um, you, know, you know, even if you're a car mechanic, right, you've got critical thinking skills. You've got hard work and discipline. You've got, you know, you, you troubleshooting a car. Like, this is coming from a nerd, if my car were to break down right now, I'm calling USAA and I'm getting a tow truck out here and I'm taking exactly. it to like, like that's just not a skill that I have. Yeah. And so you have a level of troubleshooting skills that I'll never be able to achieve in my entire life from working on a car. You should highlight that. 
And can I just interject now? Sorry to interrupt you. It's funny because I see all of these videos where the guys do physical pen testing. Yeah. And I mean, if you've got skills working with cars and, you know, like you're really good with your hands, that's another whole like world that you can get into, isn't it? I mean, I mean I, hard, I'm not, hard, hardware hacking. Yeah. Yeah. You can do hardware hacking. I mean, a mechanic to hardware hacking. That's 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 all you're close to that. If you've been working on cars for 15 years, let's talk about getting you a car hacking job. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I interrupted you. I, I'm really bad at that. Sorry, Neil. So yeah, what were okay. you saying? I'm pretty sure I forgot my. I'm pretty sure I forgot my thought process by then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. So, okay, Neil. So that's great. But I think last time we didn't cover it in a lot of detail. So I want to push you on it now. Baseline skills. What yeah. are the What are the foundations? Because I mean, it's it's okay to say I'm going to use Nmap, or it's okay to say I'm going to use this application, whatever it is, to try and hack. But what baseline skills does someone of any age need to get? I, I think, and and this is this is incredibly subjective. But when I I'll tell you how I look at resumes when when I'm evaluating folks from a baseline skill perspective, right? And 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 take this in the sense of you know I, I get I go back to kind of those those domains that we talked about um, uh, from a from a from a cybersecurity organization perspective, right? You've got security operations, you've got security architecture. You've got risk and compliance, right? And then you've got uh, policy, you know, governance and policy organizations. Yeah, just assume we assume the people watching don't know all of that. So it's great if you mention that and like explain a bit, and then you know, tell us the skills. Yeah. Yeah. So in those so in those four domains, if we if we break a cybersecurity organization up in those four domains, right? Security operations would typically be, you know, pen testing. Um, incident response, threat hunting, threat intelligence, all that stuff that goes into, you know, mostly defending an organization, right? You've got security architecture, which are your, they're your architects. So they're building, right? They're building the cybersecurity organization. They're choosing the technologies. They're choosing the network designs. They're, um, you know, investigating technologies like CASB versus, you know, you know some, some other type of technology. Uh, CASB is a, you know, cloud access security broker, you know, type of technology. Yeah. Right. You've got, you've got, um, you know, you know, risk and compliance, which are folks who are doing risk assessments, folks who are trying to make sure that you are compliant to whatever regulatory body that you're that you're beholden to. So if you're in the card industry, you've got PCI, which is the payment card industry. You know, you have to pay attention to their, you know, regulatory, you know, compliance, you know, stuff to be compliant in that organization. If you're in the EU, GDPR, you know, is, is huge as well. Yeah. Right. And and then you've got your governance and your policy, which are very much your strategic thinkers who are helping to guide the organization and write the policies. And so if you if you use those four, and when we talk about baseline skills, the baseline skills when you look across all four of those is vastly different. Right. Oftentimes we we get so hung up on you know, baseline IT CERP, CCNA, CEH, you know, EGPT, right? Whatever it is we talk about because we're focused in on the technical side. But if you are in that planning process and you're that you're you're looking to get into a cybersecurity organization, maybe that baseline skill is actually some stuff that's more soft skill. Maybe it's a PMP, like a project management, you know, you know, cert. Maybe it's a CISA, which um, I probably should know what that stands I'll, for. I'll put the I'll put the links. <laughs> okay. After our yeah. last call, I thought I'll just put the I'll just put the, the acronyms <laughs> on the video. So don't worry, yeah. you, you just use them. Okay. So so you got CISA right from ISC squared, which is which is a very baseline, um, you know, soft skill, you know, compliance type certification. Um, and, and so I think when you look at so, when you look at those baseline credentials, those baseline activities, 
yeah, you have to, um, you, you really need to uh, uh, take into consideration, you know, which path you're trying to get into and which path you're trying to take. Because I do, I think, um, you know, if you're, if you're on the IT side, if you're currently do if you are currently doing IT work right now, you have all the baseline skills that you need to be successful in the, the, the technical side of the industry. You don't need A plus to prove that you are doing networking or computer work or IT help desk or things like that. You know, that's just, you know, a piece of paper that says that you're doing it. You know, we hear about sec plus and, and, and things like that. Those are all just pieces of paper that says that you're qualified to do it. But if you've been working help desk for, for five years, right? And you're stuck in a help desk job for five years, you've probably been doing all of those stuff that they would teach you inside of a CERT. So you have the baseline skill set, And that's what I would focus on is, you know, when you look at those entries into the, the career field, look at those baseline skill sets, whether they're technical or whether they're soft skills and highlight those and focus those skill sets. It's great advice. I mean, I think what you've, what I really like about the, the discussions we have is that you are broadening the discussion from Mr. Robot, ethical hacking to a much broader discussion. And you, you're basically saying that the industries are much bigger than people realize. And like you mentioned, there's like three and a half million unfilled positions or something. Let me, let me get on a small soapbox on I that. love your, your soapbox, <laughs> go for it. Um, you know, when you look at the mission of a company and think about some of the biggest companies that you got, whether they're overseas or whether they're in the States, right? You've got, you know, Unilever, Abbott Laboratories, AstraZeneca, you know, Apple, Google, um, you know, think about these big companies. Mr. Robot, if we were to use that analogy about ethical hacking and Mr. Robot, they represent such a small, small piece of what an organization like that is all about, their cybersecurity team. But even so, the Mr. Robots in those teams are there for the defense of the organization. Yeah, and, so, and so risk and compliance, policy and governance, security architecture, Right, all of those functions in a cybersecurity organization, they do more collabor collaboratively, collectively in a cybersecurity organization than one Mr. Robot will ever do. And this isn't to take away from ethical hacking. Remember, I come from that background. I've, I spent you know 10, 15 years you know in that space doing that type of stuff. And this is coming from you know an ex hacker and an ex red teamer and ex pen tester. You know, yeah, it was fun to do that stuff, and it is exciting. But when you look at a cybersecurity organization, there's so much that goes into to, to doing more to protect a big company than one little Mr. Robot that, that's in there, you know, hacking away on vulnerabilities that, again, soapbox moment, you know, as an ethical hacker, and I was having this conversation uh, on my stream on Monday with, uh, with a pen tester uh, on Monday, um, you know, most ethical hackers are so consumed with the rush of getting domain admin or getting root on a box that they, that their mentality is, is that if I pwn an organization, if I get domain admin and root, then I win. I'm the best, I'm the best hacker in the world. And, and most organizations could care less. And it's not that they suck and it's not that they don't care about, you know, you know, their vulnerabilities in their network, but they're a fortune 100 company. They make $50 billion a year. One windows XP machine, that you popped <laughs> XP. I love it. Yeah. Isn't going to, isn't going to rattle their cages, right? You've got to start thinking big picture. And I think that that's the, that's the mentality I try to get 
to whether you're an ethical hacker, whether you want to get in the space of ethical hacker or red teamer or pen tester or threat hunter or risk and governance is you have to look at the big picture and not just that, that tiny, tiny little slot of, of skills that's there. That's great. Soapbox moment over. Soapbox oh, moment no, over. <laughs> I love it. I think, it's, I think it's really important what you've said because there's too much focus, it seems, on the, like you said, the rush of breaking in. And there's all this focus in the sort of ethical hacking community on like, I can type faster on Linux. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, as you get older, it's like, who cares? Um, uh, it's like you said, there's a, there's a big picture. Um, you know, I broke into your, I'm a bit, I'm, a, I'm, I'm not so behind like you, uh, Neil. I, I, I'm using I'm Windows, Windows NT. NT. Oh, no, sorry, that's also old. No, no, I'm kidding. No, no, I mean, like, if you break into Windows 10 box, great. So, well done. But there, there's, from an, a business point of view, and that's what pays salaries, it's like you, you said that there's a, there's a much bigger picture. Okay, but now I need to push you. I think we're going to, I'll do it in a separate video, push you about CH, because I want to talk about that. Let's talk about something that we mentioned offline previously. Neil, it's fine to say this. You know, I've got 10 years experience managing a restaurant or a small business. You say all that stuff, but I don't feel worthy. Can you address that? Because it's like, you know, imposter syndrome is, is a major problem. I'm so glad you brought this up. And 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 on the the latest stream that I did, on the latest stream that I that I dropped on YouTube, I actually I actually cover this in depth because I think, and I've said this, and I and I've taken the bold step of saying this out loud is that I think I think imposter syndrome is the mental health issue of our cybersecurity or IT community. Um, I I I can't even stress enough how real it is. And I think you know, as with any other type of of mental illness or any other type of, um, you know, you know, any other type of condition that we've got, acknowledging it is really kind of the the, the huge key. Um, and so, what imposter syndrome is um, is is really, you know, the difference between your outwardly facing, you know, persona and and what you keep internally and what you what you kind of internalize when it comes to feelings. And I'll give you some very real world examples. And I have no problem sharing my real world examples because they are they are very real to me. Um, yeah, you know, I. I, I've been an instructor a, a large portion of my life. I, I built the Air Force's first functional training unit around cyber. Um, I, I spent years training, uh, you know, all the hackers that went into the National Security Agency uh, in, in the in the mid uh, 2000s to, to late 2010s and, and 11s and 12s before I, I got out of the Air Force. Um, I was a SANS instructor for five years. Um, I've spent a large portion of my life teaching and educating for folks. And even after years and years and years of being seen as an expert, and, and I've got I've got medals from the the military, um, accolades, you know, you know, awards and things like that for the things that I've done, um, requested by name, you know, from the Federal Bureau of Investigation to to um, you know to to consult with with their cyber uh, you know experts. Um, every time I get up in front of a presentation at a conference or whenever I taught a class for SANS that imposter syndrome always hit me because you're up there being the expert and you wonder in your mind, am I still giving people relevant information? Yeah. Am I still relevant in this industry? Is any of this information any valuable or do people really even care that I'm up here saying this stuff? And so that that's that imposter syndrome hits everybody. I don't care how many years you've got in, in this industry or how many, it's, it's, it's everywhere. Yeah. I, um, I, on my stream, um, and on the video that I dropped, I, I outline four, four very specific things that 
everybody can do. And this is, you know, we talk about it in the sense of IT and cyber, but I think there are these four things about imposter syndrome, literally anybody can, can apply themselves to, right? And so the, the um, you know, the first one is reframing your mind, right? Is, is taking a moment to, to, to reframe your thought process, just like I, 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 we talked about here is recognizing that imposter syndrome, right, is real and, and really reframing your mind around the fact of what it, you know, don't worry about the things you can't control, right? You can't control that you didn't start ethical hacking when you were 17 years old, yeah. right? You can't, you can't control that your life choices, that your life you know, circumstances forced you to be a store manager at Arby's, right? You can't control that. That was what happened in your life. What you can control right now is emotionally, mentally, how you deal with the challenges that are in front of you right now. And so you have to reframe your mind. The second thing I talk about very specifically as well is, is take action. Um, one of the biggest things that, um, uh, that imposter syndrome feeds on is, is our innate, you know, desire to procrastinate. Um, and, 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 and I'll give you, you, I'll give you a real world example, right. Is, um, starting my own stream. Um, when I had the idea during COVID last year to start my own stream, um, I kind of, you know, said, well, let's think about this for a little while. Let's see if this is even necessary. And I could see my imposter syndrome taking over. Well, there's all these other streamers that are doing this. You've got this streamer who's got, you know, tens of thousands of views and he's doing this. You've got, you know, all these content creators on YouTube that are doing this. What value could you ever possibly bring to the community um, by starting a stream? And I'm glad and, you and, overcame that because now we're learning about you. Absolutely. And, and, and that's why I enjoy talking about it. So you have to take action. When you have that thought that you want to do something, take action. Yeah, very good. The, the third thing that I talk about um, as well in, in imposter syndrome is acknowledging, you know, your contributions. And this is another story I like to tell you. You'll notice this. Videos get longer when you have Neil on because we talk about stories. Well, we haven't, um, well, get a, I will just ask the audience, if you, if you don't like the videos, let us know. But I'm assuming <laughs> that based on the feedback that I've received today, people are enjoying it. So go for it. So, so the third thing, right, is acknowledging your contributions. And I had an incident responder who worked for me one time. And we had a pretty significant incident um, at, at the company. And, um, you know, he was he was at the same level of, as, as several of his peer incident responders. And at one point in time, the incident had gotten so severe that um, some of the incident responders had actually taken it to the next level. And they were reverse engineering some malware. They were, reverse, you know, de decoding and, and, and reverse engineering some, some PowerShell script that had been dropped onto a box. And this incident responder was watching all of this go on. And he was like, he was so down on himself. He was getting so far down on himself that, that he called me up and he was like, Neil, I just don't think I'm good in this industry. I just can't do what it is that these guys do. I need to go back to school. I need to take more certs. I need to do all this other stuff. He was really, really down on himself. And when you, when you challenged him a little bit and you were like, well, while they were doing that, who was documenting and keeping the incident on track? Yeah. Who was leading the teams? Who was making sure that management was updated? Who was making sure that the incident response process was followed? Who was the, the, the foundational structure around all these guys to make sure that they were to get to the end and the complete of the incident response process? And when he set, took a step back and looked at it, he was like, yeah, that's actually me. That's me that's doing that. You have to take a step back and you have to acknowledge those, uh, th those contributions you make because that's, that is key to how we defeat, you know, how we defeat that imposter syndrome. Um, go, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, it's, you go further as a team. Right. It's, um, and I think people forget that everyone is unique and there's no one like you. Um, 
and everyone can bring something to the table. If everybody. They're willing, if they're willing to. Everyone can Ev bring something. Yeah. Everybody. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're at in the process. I don't care if you're new to this field or you've been in this field for 20 years. I'll take new people just the same that I'll take people who've been in this industry for 20 years because everybody brings something to the table. And that's that's so important. So, I mean, I will come back to that because I want to mention some more about that. But I, you, I think you've done two out of, out of the four, I think. you. you uh, I've done three out of the four. The fourth four, one, the last three. one. Yeah, the, the last one is keep pushing, right? I know it's easy. You know, again, we talk about at the beginning of the, the, the video about, you know, the process of getting into cybersecurity. Your process is long, right, in this career field. And you just have to keep pushing. You have to keep pushing mentally. You have to keep trying. Um, you just have to keep at it. And so I think those four things, just to re-highlight, right? Reframe your mind, right? Take action, acknowledge your contributions, and keep pushing. Four simple steps that anybody can do today to address their imposter syndrome. I think that's great. I mean, you go through this in more detail on your YouTube channel, so I'll put a link below if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Please do. Um, so yeah, go and have a look at Neil's video if you want to get more detail. Neil, I think we need to just address this. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, it's funny, you know, people have this feeling, I'm too young to do something. No, I'm too old to do something. <laughs> you know, it's you, you, at, no matter what point in your life, someone's going to say, and don't listen to the haters is what I like to say. Don't listen yes. to the haters, haters. Because the haters will say, you're too young, you're too uneducated. Like in my example, I speak funny because I don't have an American accent. Oh gosh. Uh, I'm from the wrong side of the tracks or whatever. You know, someone's always gonna hate you for something. Ignore those people because everyone can bring something to the table. Uh, we kind of mentioned it before, so I'll just go on my high horse here as well, is that, you know, if you younger, your perspective of the world is different to someone who's older, like my age, I have to, try and reframe my my paradigm, if you like, or the way I see the world to understand what someone sees the world like when they're 16 or 17. Um, but you, if you're that age, can talk to people your age in a way that I can't. I mean, I can't dance on TikTok. I mean, Neil, we were talking about TikTok. You and I on TikTok, it's not gonna work. So uh, <laughs> that's not something that I'm gonna try and attempt, but like a 17-year-old a could, could do that and do it really well. But what a 17-year-old perhaps can't do, which I can do, is bring experience, bring knowledge, bring all the war stories that I've got. And I don't want to sound like one of these, I, lo I love it on, when these young people say, oh, the boomers who say that they've, they walked barefoot to, to, to school in the snow, you know, walked five miles or whatever. You don't, want to, you, you don't want to be like those people, but you can bring a level of experience that perhaps a younger person doesn't have. So it's not about you're too young, you're too old, you're too different. I think everyone can bring something to the table. So I'm going I'm to pull my soapbox right up next to yours on this as well, because I, <laughs> Go I, I've, got, I've got one for this one as well. And I, and I, and I talk about this pretty extensively. And I'm pretty open about it. I've actually um, I've written an article about this on LinkedIn and, and about the toxicity inside of our cybersecurity industry. Now, that one was, was, was geared towards something that had happened around some of the, the security conferences here in the States. Yeah. But I, I, I do think there is a lot of toxicity inside of cyber and, and in some cases, probably also the IT space. Um, and I think that those toxicities exist from folks who, um, who, who do think that like if you don't have CVEs, you're, you know, you're not good enough to be in this space. You got, you know, you know, you mentioned, you know, the boomer thing and the war stories. You know, when you've got folks that are in this space 
that their egos want them to be like, well, I walk uphill to school in snow 15 miles every day. So therefore you should do it. Yeah. And, and instead won't look at it and be like, well, no, I got a, I got a four wheel drive car in the, in the garage. I'm just going to get in that. and I'm going to go to school in that. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You know, you know, we've got too many, we've got too many people in the industry and, and their egos are at all levels. And what I don't think a lot of the older folks in this industry realize is that their egos are also translating into egos of some of the younger folks. And, and that just breeds that toxicity inside of our industry. Um, I, I rail on offsec for this pretty extensively. Um, you know, I think that their, their try harder mentality started with the best of intentions, but they let the toxicity of the cybersecurity industry um, and, and I've taken I've taken pen testing with Backtrack. I've taken pen testing with Cali. So I've taken two OSCPs in my in my in my career. And I stopped going into the IRC channel because of the level of toxicity. It almost became a a hazing ritual and a, and whatnot to go in there. And it didn't matter how much effort you put into you know trying harder, as they put it. You could ask the most intellectually sound, background founded question inside their IRC channel, and you'd get somebody out there who was like, try harder. They didn't even read the question. They were just like, try harder. And I think that that try harder mentality, and I talk about this extensively on my stream and on my YouTube videos, that try harder mentality has created a level of toxicity that stops the younger people in this generation from looking at things in our perspective, and it stops the older generation from looking at things in the youth, youth perspective. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, being stuck in your paradigm is a, is a massive problem. It's difficult to sometimes look past what you've experienced, and and you need to you need to try and understand where the other person comes from. But now let's let, let me give you a difficult question, okay? So you've mentioned two opposing things here. So let's put you in the middle of the fire. Go uh, for it. Uh, people who don't feel they're worthy and people who are arrogant. How do you keep a balance between you know? Um, realizing that you're good enough, but not coming across as, as and I can say, beep, 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 arrogant. arrogant. <laughs> you know? um, that's, a, that's a really good question. And I think that that comes with maturity, right? I think that that's a, that's a maturity thing. I think you, um, and, and again, I want to make something really clear, right? Arrogance and ego are different, right? I know what it is that I know. I know what I've done in my career. Yeah. Um, you know, you know what you've done in your career, right? You know what you're good at, right? And, and there's a, there is an arrogance that comes with what, what it is that, that we've accomplished uh, in our career. But, but I'm not out there, you know, whenever somebody says, hey, you know, I, you know obviously my DMs have blown up since our, our last couple of videos and, and folks who have generally <laughs> said, you know, you know, how do I get into this space or how do you help me? Um, hopefully, you know, nobody who's received a DM from me, you know, has gotten a try harder, you know, when I, when I've responded to that DM, I've tried to always outline a path and, and give you an idea that's there. And I think that it's part of that mentality shift that as you mature and you look at who you're talking to, that you put yourself into their positions. If you're in this industry, you are viewed with a certain amount of cloud that, you know, people who want to be in this industry you know, have when they look at this industry. And so you have to put yourself into their position and say, you know, if I were back in that role, if I were getting back into the cybersecurity for the first time and I had this question, would I want somebody to tell me to try harder? Or would I want somebody to say, well, did you try this? Or did you try that? Or have you looked at this as an option? Or have you looked at that as an option? We have to stop thinking that because I walked uphill in the snow, you know, you know, you know, Online. 15 miles you both you ways. Do that. Yeah, yeah. You're too you know, young for that. You're too young for that, right? You know, you, you just just because I did it doesn't mean you have to. The world's changed. And so I think that that's the difference between being 
being confident and arrogant in what it is that you know and exuding a level of egotistical toxicity that, that makes the industry hate you. And, and, and I, would, I would actually encourage, and, and again, I go back to, to my four things on imposter syndrome. Number three was acknowledging your contributions. And part of acknowledging your contributions, yes, is taking pride in them, taking pride in the certs that you hang up on the wall and the, you know, the, the military awards and things like this that you've gotten throughout your career. Take pride in those things, right? But in every video that we have, I'm not saying, well, I'm certified this, I'm certified that, I've got 14 different medals of honor, you know, and, and things like that. It's take pride in it, but don't let that consume you in a toxic manner. And instead, take that and say, I want to share it with you. And here's how I think it's best for you to accomplish that and achieve the exact same things that I've achieved. Okay, now, now I'm going to push you though, because other side of the coin, yeah? On my Discord, I see this many times. So on my Discord and on the DMs and on YouTube uh, videos, you get, you get comments. There's the other side to this where people don't make the effort themselves. It's that whole thing. Let me Google that for you. <laughs> how, how do we contend with, how do we contend with the people who just don't know how to Google that themselves? Yeah, it's like, how do you, how do you encourage someone to, to help themselves? Because I think half the, half the, the thing I've learned over the years is that the, my ability to, to use Google is probably one of my top abilities because if you know how to find information, you're at a huge advantage because you can't remember every, everything. You can't know everything. You just need to learn how to find it. Um, so how do you, as an older person, like you, your DMs are blowing up and um, I'm sure you've had this issue. It's like that guys will ask questions without making the effort themselves. So what would you say to, how would you handle that kind of situation where someone is, I get this from from my Discord moderators, the guys want to get into ethical hacking, but they don't have a good foundation. And that's why I was telling you what kind of foundation do you need? It's like, you can't use Nmap <laughs> if you don't understand what a port number is. Right, right, or an, right. Or an IP address. You've got, you've got to put in the work, I think is, is what it's going to boil down, boil down to. How do you handle no, that? No, that's a fantastic question. And, and I'm, I want to answer it kind of in two different ways, right? And, and kind of, it's, this isn't a deflection. I'm going to get direct to how I specifically handle it, but I want to, I want to set a foundational answer for this. Perfect. I think, I think as an industry and as a as a as a as a cybersecurity you know cultural entity, we have failed in our videos, in our content production, in our in our mentorship, in our education, in our you know in our ability to talk about the things that we love in our industry. We failed to teach critical thinking. Instead, what we've done is we've said, if you don't have critical thinking, you don't belong in this industry. And boom, we're right back into that toxicity. You, you can't go out there. You can't find a video on Udemy on how to develop critical thinking in ethical hacking. You can't find an ethical hacking video that says the first step to being an ethical hacker is critical thinking. And here, let me teach you how to do that. And, and even if that's that, the course you're going to create next, is that right? <laughs> we, we could talk about that. Maybe we'll do another collab on, on doing that <laughs> course. But, but to your point, I mean, I think lesson number one is let's talk about how to use Google and let's talk about the value of Google. And so I don't, I don't, I think we've gone straight into, I want to be Mr. Robot, teach me how to use Nmap, right? But we have failed to teach the folks who are coming up in this industry 
um, that critical thinking. And I carry this back over to, you know, old dog, new tricks. You know, we said, well, we didn't have Google when I learned how to build my first, you know, password brute forcer in, uh, in basic. And so since I didn't have Google and you do, you have no business asking me how to write a password brute forcer because you can just go to Google and do it. But we haven't taught people how to do that. So I think that that's, I think that's a failure that we need to acknowledge first. Now, second, more direct to your question, um, it's, it's, it, you know, I, I, I'm not going to lie. It's a lot of patience. I think it's, um, you know, you have to have patience with, with people that are out there and it is frustrating. It, it, and I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be honest if I weren't, you know, if I didn't sit here and say, you know, Hey, how do I, how do I get into pen testing? And, and it's like, well, I just, I just did a collab with David that had, you know, here, here, how you get started in ethical hacking. And you're asking me how to get started in ethical hacking. Um, you know, and, and so it's, you know, it's, it's more about working with those people and saying, well, let me ask you, right? Think about the questions that you ask them. Don't say, well, I just told you how to go do it. Instead, look at the comment and be like, did you go do this first step that I did over here? You saw, you came to me because you saw David's video and I gave you an outline on how to go be, you know, a pen tester. And you're asking me how to be a pen tester. Did you go watch David's video? Did you consume that content? Did you start to work on those three things that we talked about inside of that video? And so I think you have to, you have to help people down the path and you have to lead that horse to water, if you will. Some people, they see the content, they like it, and they want to reach out to you because they want your specific take on it. And you should actually feel humbled and you should, you should embrace that they want your specific take on it. I'm going to flip that. You talked to, to me about this when uh, in, in, in kind of our, 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 our green room type, type session, right? Is, is maybe people want to hear specifically from you. They don't want to hear what you told 400,000 other people. And so yeah. Yeah. apply a little bit of that humility to yourself and, and, and be grateful that they chose you to ask for that and say, let me, let me help you. I'll help you. I'll help you get down here. Right. Um, and I, and I find that, that that's, what's lacking is, is some of that compassion, some of that patience. And then you're, you're hundred percent right, David, there are just people who, who no matter what you do, you know, just can't figure it out. Um, and, and to those people, you know, I would say self-reflect in on yourself and, and, and ask yourself, why are you having such a hard time um, doing something as simple as what's being advised to you? You've probably watched a hundred videos on how to get into ethical hacking. What is stopping you from taking the hundred pieces of advice that you've gotten in your video? Um, and, 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 and I think that, I think you do have to take some ownership and own that yourself. Yeah, I think that's really important. I mean, I, I like to harp on about this. You know, we're on soapboxes today. Is <laughs> you are responsible for your own life. Mm -hmm. Don't abdicate the responsibility for your own life to someone else. If you have responsibility, what's that? With great power comes great responsibility type thing. Is um, you're responsible for your own life. Uh, you can't change the past, but you can change the future. And a lot of people are in very difficult situations. But what are you going to do with who you are? and where you are, because it's amazing when people complain, there's always in the back of my mind, do you realize that there's someone who's in a, who's in a much worse position than you and they've actually done something? So if, you know, self-pity is the destroyer of dreams, I like to say. If you feel sorry for yourself um, and you don't take uh, ownership for yourself, you, you might as well stop because that's what you need to do. You need to take ownership for your, yourself and you need to stop feeling sorry for yourself. Just go to Africa and you very quickly realize that, um, you know, just us having internet connectivity and having access to our computers is a huge advantage. But I'll get, I'll get off that soapbox for now. Let me piggyback just a, not so much on a soapbox, but I want to, 
you know, I, I want to kind of talk about that a little bit when it comes to people in hardship positions. And and it gets back to what you're saying, right, is you do have to take some responsibility. There was one, I remember specifically several, you know, I remember, I, it's hard to remember all the DMs, but I do remember this one very specifically. There was a kid who was working for a big four consulting company um, that had messaged me after our last video. Um, and he was, you bring up Africa, he was in Africa. And um, I don't want him to be singled out and, and or anything. So I'll just kind of leave it kind of broad on that. And he was talking about how the culture there was, um, um, uh, you know, was, it was a certain way that it was really hard to get into cybersecurity. Um, and, and, you know, he, he was taking responsibility and he was like, what can I do that's above and beyond what I'm doing right now? And that's an example where, you know, I, I took his hand and I said, let me help you get out of this area where you're worse off than say somebody in the UK or the US or Australia, where we've got tons of you know, to your point, broadband access, we've got, you know, access to, to consume hours and hours and hours of YouTube content without having to worry about our internet getting shut off. And I put him in contact with some folks that were pretty high up in this big four, um, who could also help him get out of this tough situation. Um, and, and I think that when you talk about, you know, to your point, people who are asking for help, you know, it is the responsibility of us people who, who come to us and are looking up to us for, for our advice and our help to help make that responsible decision that's like, are you just too lazy to take responsibility yourself or are you truly in a hardship situation and how can I, how can I truly help you get out of that hardship situation? And I don't think enough people in IT and cybersecurity really do that. Now, Neil, this is, we're gonna have to end, up, end off because we, we, this has got really long, but Neil, this has been, um, you know, this is something I've been wondering the, during this whole conversation is you've got on your shirt, keep calm and, and what, what, and. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. For everyone who was so, wondering what it was about, go on. So, 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 so uh, they, they don't sponsor me at, at all um, on, on my content. They're just that they're a company that I, that I, I very much plug in and, and talk about every time I, every chance I get uh, zero day clothing, zero day clothing. Um, if, if you're a nerd and you like uh, like cool shirts with with cool little nerd lo uh, sl slogans and things like that on there, you can go to Zero Day Clothing and and look at their stuff. They've got uh, um, all sorts. They've got uh, you know Q, you know death to QoS. Uh, you know all packets are equal. You can see the logo up here right here in the back for for Zero Day Clothing. Um, you know they they do hats, they do shirts, uh, they do backpacks, everything else, and they've got some they've got some pretty cool stuff. So I'll I'll put a link below if if you can't find it. But I mean that's fantastic, Neil. Once again, really want to thank you for sharing your wisdom. And um, I think it's good that you get on your soapboxes because you're addressing issues perhaps that other people avoid. And you know, it's funny, there was someone, <laughs> there was someone on, a, on, one, of, on one, of, one of our videos that said, I can guarantee you that this guy has never worked at the NSA. <laughs> it's funny when people say that because you know the, the point is is that you've got all this knowledge you've got all this experience and you can talk from from that vantage point so thanks so much for sharing you know your experience and knowledge thank you and and, and i'll do it anytime and again i i you know you know people who say that you know there's always going to be haters haters out there and and you know it's, it's it's like you said earlier about the comment here's the thing i um you know cool i'm i i know you exist out there I hope you feel better about yourself for, for hating on me. It doesn't really affect me. You got to ignore the haters. Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, like, cool story, bro. You can still catch me on my channel. You can still catch me on my YouTubes. I'll still tell you everything that's in my head, whether you're going to hate on me or not. That's exactly the right attitude. So, Neil, thanks again. Thank you, David. <laughs>
Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. Be sure to visit David's YouTube channel at David Bumble, where you can subscribe and watch all of his videos. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Catch you next time on the David Bumble Networking Podcast. All the best. Take care.